Good morning, church. It's good to see you in the house today. Uh, have you ever been to Six Flags and seen something you could never unsee? Uh, if you've ever been to a theme park, I always think about it. Uh, you, there's things there that you see that you will not see anywhere else in the world. Tara and I were at a theme park. This is probably about six or seven years ago before we moved to Texas. And uh, we were in the line for a water park and the dude's toenails were going across his toes all the way down, touching the ground. Touching the ground. You'll never see this. Yesterday at Six Flags, something happened to me. Uh, it was kind of like that kind of a situation. It wasn't as crazy, but uh, it was a student in our ministry. Stood toe-to-toe with me, right up to my face. You know, we're like inches apart. I'm looking down at him. He's looking up at me, and he just takes two deep exhales. <sighs> right in my face, right up into my nostrils, and then goes, you know why it doesn't smell? Because I brush my teeth twice a day. And... I was just like, this only happens in student ministry. This is awesome. Whatever. And his breath really didn't smell bad. It was awesome. I'm proud of this guy over here. Uh, but I'm so privileged and honored to speak to you guys this morning. Uh, as Pastor Ed said, we have an awesome team here at Warehouse Church. If you guys love Pastor Ed, say amen. amen. Hey, I want to encourage you guys this week. Take some time to honor him, to send him a note of encouragement, uh, to, to go hang out with him. If you guys want to buy him a gift, I'm sure you know he likes Eagles gear. He probably doesn't need any more. But you could buy some for him. Uh, if you want to know his favorite candle, I can tell you what flavor he likes. Uh, but just do something for Pastor Ed this week. Take him to 1050 Barbecue uh, when he gets back just, just to show him love. Because what he does, what him and Kim do for us as Warehouse Church uh, is just such an outpouring of love. And I want to honor him this morning and uh, just remind you guys that if you don't know Pastor Ed, if this is your first time here, he loves his family, he loves Jesus, and he wants you to experience both. Uh, that he shares that love. Uh, he wants to share that with you. And so um, if you're here this morning and you don't have even people that you call family, we want to just say, welcome home. This is a place you can call family. You belong here. This is a place where Jesus is, where community is. And this morning, my message is called Beauty from Bitterness. We're in this series called Beautiful Scars, and I'm talking about beauty from bitterness. And um, I'm going to ask the question, how real this morning is your faith? How real is your faith? We're going to be in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 through 22. Here's what God's word says. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephathrites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah, the other named Ruth. And they had lived there about ten years. Both Malion and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. When her two daughters-in-law left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah, then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you will find rest in, in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, 
Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. As they wept again, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women explained, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you so much for your word. God, for your holy, inspired word. God, that can teach us. Lord, it's a living word. We pray this morning that you would speak to us. God, do something. Transform our lives because of what your word says not just about us, but about you in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Aren't scars crazy? Does anybody have a scar story in this room besides me? Raise your hand. If you got a scar story, very nice. Scars are crazy. Sometimes when I, when I hurt myself, it happens. I'm a youth pastor. Uh, we hurt ourselves. I was praying yesterday at six flags. I was like, Lord, I just don't need an injury. And then I put a kid on my shoulder. There was two of us standing side by side and there was a kid standing full tilt on, on our shoulders for a picture. You know, I was like, all right, what am I doing here? Youth pastors get hurt and scars are crazy. And sometimes when I get cut or when I I break something or tear something, I I wonder, I'm like, will this ever heal? I mean, you know, sometimes when you even get a small cut and it's a paper cut and it's pesky and you just, you wonder, is this ever going to heal? And then eventually it heals two, three weeks pass. You probably forget about it. Sometimes you don't, but scars are crazy. Scars are a crazy thing. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and tell them I got scars. Very nice. All right. Tell them I got scars. Now turn to your other person, the second choice, tell turn your second choice. Tell them I got stories from my scars. Second choices. You might just have a scar right there. You got picked second. It happens sometimes, but a scar, to define a scar, a scar is the fibrous tissue that it replaces the normal skin after an injury. It's the fibrous tissue, it replaces the normal skin. If we look at Naomi in this story, this, she's a woman with scars. She's got scars. She's went through some stuff. And at this point in the story, actually, they're not scars yet. They haven't healed. They're fresh wounds. They're an injury that she's walking through life with. She was married. She had two boys. There was no food. So what'd they do? They went to where the food was. They traveled to Moab. Her husband dies. Her sons get married. 10 years pass and her sons die. What this woman woman went through is tragic. And she's going through this story. She doesn't have scars yet. They're wounds. And if you read through the story of Ruth, it's a really cool story. If you've never read it before, I encourage you. It's four chapters long. It's pretty easy. It's awesome because it's like a novel. Like when you read it, You get drawn in. There's romance in it. There's family drama. There's tragedy. There's beauty. There's new life. And it's kind of like when you're watching a TV show and you start to feel connected with the characters. 
That's how the book of Ruth is. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like when your wife's over here on her couch and you're on your chair and you're sitting there and uh, you look over and, and she's wiping her eyes and you're like, are you crying? She's like, I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm like, I'm for sure not crying. But you, you get drawn into the story. Like in the, in the book of Ruth, you start to feel what the characters are feeling. And there's, you may be in this room this morning and you've went through loss. If you haven't went through loss, you're going to go through loss. It's part of life. And you're going to have wounds and your wounds are going to turn into scars. And maybe you're walking in here this morning and you have scars in your life that maybe they've healed over a little bit. <laughs> if you're like me, you've had some scars that they've ripped back open again. <laughs> My mom was here for Easter last week and we were talking about scars because the series. And she said, hey, do you still have that one on your elbow? And I was like, yeah, I still got it. I was fourth grade. I tore it open every single recess for like an entire school year, nine months. I was like, yeah, mom, I still got the scar. And, and these, these scars that we carry, uh, they're things we can relate to with other people. I started counting. I was like, I got up to 15 scars, and that was without even counting the really major ones. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I got, I got too many scars. But this woman in this story, she's got so many scars that her story becomes a, a, a wound. She says, I went out full, and I came back empty. Like, I'm, I'm busted up and messed up. And her future life is now gone. She's telling her daughter-in-laws, I'm a dead end. You might as well forget about me. You might as well move on with your life because I'm a dead end. For you this morning, maybe it's about your job. Maybe it's about a relationship that you're in. Maybe it's about uh, something that happened to you, something that was said to you. Maybe it's about the way that you tell yourself who you are, how you talk to yourself on a daily basis. Maybe it's a, a, a thing that you're trying to succeed in, you're trying to over and over at a, a venture in your life and you keep failing and you start to feel like you're defined by the failure. What you need to know this morning is that God isn't done yet and he wants to see beauty come out of your bitterness. Naomi was at a woman who was at a point where she said, I have no other options. I was reading a, a commentary about Naomi. This was, this was very encouraging for me as a pastor. Okay. I was I was reading through a commentary. It was like five or six uh, pages, full pages. Every single thing it said about Naomi was like, she made this bad decision. She made this bad decision. She made this bad decision. I was like, oh, I was going to preach a message about what Naomi did right. And this, this commentary is not encouraging me right now. But I get to the very last word of it. The very last sentence said, uh, our God, but our God is a God of new beginnings. You guys are in here, and if you guys came maybe for Easter, and this is your second time here, or maybe you just, uh, you just feel like you need a new beginning in your life, this story is for you this morning. Uh, I want to read Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, and it's, it's kind of a, a meditation of, of what we can think about towards God. It says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed by his compassions. Uh, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Last week, Pastor Ed spoke at Easter about how Jesus' scars have healed us. And in this story, if you take a close look at Naomi, you can tell that she begins to go from bitterness to beauty at the beginning of the story, in chapter 1. It's when she begins walking towards God. In verse number 13, I'll read it again. It says, would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it's more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. Down in verse 19, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. I want you guys to understand one simple truth from this morning. 
One simple truth that I want you guys to take from this story about Naomi is that she trusts God enough to tell him how she feels. She trusts God enough to tell him how she feels. Maybe you've thought in your life, I'm never going to heal. Uh, I've, I've been preaching this series to the students at the crew. Uh, it's called Fake. And one of the weeks, I talked about fake friends. And it's a, it's a great story for this morning. I have a, a, my newest scar. It actually did heal. And it's probably going to be one of those that goes away. But I was, uh, it was a big storm in Plano. How many of you guys know about the storms in Texas? Okay, they come up, they go, they're going to have these baseball-sized hail. It didn't come. I was actually praying for hail that time because I was all prepared. I was like, Lord, I want to see this happen because I put like 10 mattresses on my truck. And, and it didn't happen. But there was another storm. It was like right before that one. And there was a, the sky just went crazy with these clouds. And I was outside. Um, this is just like a, a little tribute to my roots, okay? A little redneck crazy. I was up on the roof. Um, my neighbor was across the uh, fence. You guys know the uh, alley neighbors. He was across the fence. And the reason I'm telling you this, I preached this series called Fake. And, and one week we did Fake Friends. And so I had to talk about real friends, friends and fake friends. My wife, Tara, she came out to the yard and she said, hey, do you want a ladder to get down off the roof with? And I was like, "Nah, I'm all right. I'm good. I, I got up here without a ladder. I can get down. And, and so she's friend number one. Friend number two, he's across the fence. He's my uh, alley neighbor. Haven't met him yet. And he's out there, and you know, I'm up on the roof, like, oh wow, these clouds are awesome. Look at that up there. Rotation, there could be a tornado. And uh, my neighbor's out there taking pictures, and I waved at him, and he waved back at me, you know. And I'm walking around on the roof, and uh, I, uh, I get done, this starts lightning. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm up here on the roof, I'm like a big human lightning rod. And so I'm like, all right, it's time to get down. And I don't, I still don't know what happened, but it's like, when I went to step with my left leg, I should have turned the other way and went with my right leg. And instead of stepping off onto another, like onto the fence or something, next thing I know, poof, I was on the ground. And on the way down, I went through all these pieces of fence. It actually kind of saved me. All these pieces of fence knocked off the deal. And the reason it's, it's a story about fake friends is you know what my neighbor didn't do? He didn't say, are you okay? I'm just laying on the ground like, my dude, I know you saw that. I know you, and I can't even, I, I, I hope he's in church today, but I, I want to I reach him. I can't even talk to him yet because I'm still kind of bitter. It's like, dude, I, you, I know you saw that. And, um, and then, of course, you know, I had to show Tara my wounds. Look at this. I'm sorry I cut my hand. Uh, God took care of me. But this morning, one simple truth I want you to remember is that Naomi trusts God enough to tell him how she feels. And uh, these scars, like so these wounds, sometimes we feel like they're not going to heal. And Naomi, what she does is she tells God what she's doing when she tells God about this pain is called lament. I just read from Lamentations. Lament, it's a fancy word for passionately talking about your grief, passionately expressing your grief. And somehow in the Christian life, we think not talking about our problems makes God look better. Sometimes we think if we walk around and we act like our life's not messy and our life's neat, you know, I got this nice shirt on, it may be ironed, I'm not, I'm too afraid to even look, but I got my buttons all buttoned up, and I'm walking around this Christian life. I don't want to talk about the messy stuff, you know, because that makes God look bad. And we live through that lie sometimes as Christians. And if you're jacked up in this room, I want you to say this, I want you to say, I'm with you. Thank you so much, because I felt like it was only me, but in this Christian life, in college, I was, uh, I was going on a trip, 
And there was one vehicle that was a bunch of guys. They were talking about their testimony. It was like, it was like uh, they went through all these hard times and made a bunch of huge mistakes. And anyway, they get through talking about this. They're having a like bro moment. Everyone's crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. And then they go about the other vehicle that I'm in. They said, what about that guy? And then my buddy's like, oh, who, you, you mean Gary? And he's like, yeah, he seems jacked up. Yeah, I, I really am. In this Christian life, though, we think that we have to appear joyful, uh, especially, check this out, especially towards people who don't know Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. The joy of the Lord really is our strength, but we need to learn here from Naomi. We need to learn to lament. Can I get brutally honest with God? Like, do I trust God enough to get brutally honest with him? I'm coming home, she says. I'm bitter, but I'm coming home. It's like Naomi's going to her class reunion. And when she shows up, she's not just like, oh, yeah, my life. Ooh, it's so good. She's showing up bitter, but she doesn't pretend everything's fine. She doesn't hide her pain in the closet and lock it away like we do sometimes. You know, like, this is my pain. This is uncomfortable. I'm going to take this in my life. I want you to go over here because I'm, I'm not comfortable dealing with you. She doesn't do that. No, she invites others to peer into her bitterness and frustration. And the reality is that the lament highlights the gospel more than acting like it's all good. In our Christian lives, if you act like it's all good, you're not really showing how God can take something messy and make it beautiful. And so have you ever been private about pain? There was a time in my life, uh, I, I went through a tough time. I went through seven relationships um, I actually, I lost a ton of friends. I transferred schools and I, I like to tell the students, uh, that my only friend was the gym. You guys know what I'm talking about this morning. Like I don't have any real friends in real life, but I had the gym. So I just went in there and worked out and people were like, wow, you must love the gym. And I'm like, I just don't have friends. But in this situation, uh, when I was in the gym, the one thing that I did do is I cried out to God and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, hey, God, you're awesome. I love today. I'm, I'm gaining all this muscle because I got no friends. But I was crying out to God, like, God, what are you doing? God, why am I going through this? God, this isn't, this isn't right. This is hard. This is tough. I, I don't deserve this. And I was, I was being real with God. And, you know, in our church, in Warehouse Church, a great place for you to get real like that, for you to lament, for you to express passionately to other people your, your pain, your discomfort, your wounds, that you want to see God turn into scars to heal uh, is a life group. If you guys aren't in a life group, I would encourage you this morning, talk to somebody, talk to the person you're next to, be like, hey, are you in a life group? Uh, ask your second choice, hey, maybe you're in a life group, maybe yours is better. Maybe your second choice is a better life group than the first choice, I don't know. But a great place to talk about these things is in a life group. I got, I got a life group. I, it's it's kind of like the uh, parents with babies life group. Uh, we could call ourselves like the 18ers. I think all of our babies were b- born in 2018. And it's a great place to walk through life, to lament, to express passionately the grief that we're going through. And there's a text chain and people will be shouting out grief on there. And, and when one husband says, hey, I really, really need help uh, communicating with my wife this week, everybody else will go on there and respond. Yeah, me too. I need your prayer true. Hey, guess what? I'm going through that too. And you're going to go through seasons in life where maybe you're lamenting and someone else is celebrating and, and you can celebrate with them and they can lament with you. And that's what walking with other believers is. This is a place you belong. Growing people change. And when you're growing together, these people's lives are going to change your lives for the better. And so a life group is such a great place 
to share lament. You know, another place you can share lament, my wife, she went through a terrible and we're still going through tragedy in her family. She lost a brother. And uh, it's really beautiful to see how Tara responds to God and, and is open, able to be open about it and write about it and share just like the memories that she did have. And I, I can promise you, she's not saying this stuff like, oh, you know what? I got my whole life together, but this happened. She's working through it like, I don't know why, but this happened. And a, another person in our church, Christina, and, and, and many women in our church have, you've experienced loss in pregnancy and you can lament out loud with people. You can grieve that loss with people. You can let people know, hey, guess what? I follow Jesus and everything for me every day isn't just perfect. And when you do that, you're showing that you trust God. And Naomi, when she grieved out loud, she was admitting that she's empty. She, she was saying words, check this out. And Naomi's words, when she went back to Bethlehem, may have made people uncomfortable. And at the same time that they made people uncomfortable, they were saying, wait, your name, her, Naomi means pleasant. And they were saying, oh, your name used to mean pleasant. Now you want us to call us bitter. I kind of liked you better when you were pleasant. It may have made them uncomfortable that she was being this way, but her humility at the same time and her honesty would have drawn people to her. It's freeing to have people grieve with you because when you grieve, they feel safe to grieve their own losses, that they're not going to be judged by God for actually going through pain and they're not going to face the disapproval of others like, oh, you don't have it all together. It's freeing. It's a freeing thing. And if you're here today and you got breath in your lungs, you need that. You need community. Naomi was raw but truthful about God. She acknowledges, God, you're in control of all things. And she's moving towards God with honesty. And when she returns to her country, when she returns home, she's realistically presenting what happened She's not sugarcoating it. That's what I love about student ministry is there is just so many things you cannot sugarcoat it. Johnny and I go to this, uh, to this ministry on Thursdays at Richardson West Junior High. It's called Boys Club. We're part of these dudes' lives. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They're not the best boys in this school. Like, we'll ask them, hey, who would you guys say we are? And we're like, we're the bad kids. They all say it. We're the bad kids. I was in trouble today. They all got issues. <laughs> just like Johnny and I do, so it's perfect. But when we go there, Johnny and I went there this week. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We went there this week. It was kind of a, was a, a little bit of a blow. Like two weeks ago, there was 40 kids. We're like, woo, 40 kids. This week, there was six. We're like, oh, okay, really changing lives here. Six dudes showed up. And so these six dudes showed up. So we, so we line up across from each other. We're, we're playing football. Um, we barely got them to stay, actually. We're like, you can go home and do whatever you do there. We can stay and play football. It doesn't matter to Johnny and I. Um, we got babies at home to watch. So whatever you guys want to do. So they stayed and, um, we picked teams. So funny. Johnny and I grown adult men, right? We're athletes. We are out here. We're out here with the boys on the streets and they pick teams. You know, there's these young bucks. Uh, Johnny and I are the last two picks. All right. Not even going to sugarcoat it. And what was even sillier. Well, I mean, teach his own, but what was even sillier is that Johnny, uh, and I get picked. They picked one of us. And then the other guy decided to pick a kid, and then they picked the other. Johnny and I were like, yo, we're on the same team? Oh, no. First play of the game, I was like, touchdown, guys. It's going to be a touchdown. I go up to Johnny. I was like, hey, man, I'm running the post corner. It's going to be a touchdown. Down set hike, throws the pass, post corner, bing, bang, boom, touchdown. We were out there celebrating, you know, spiking the football, uh, doing some moves on the kids, a little party dance, end zone celebration. We're like, let's go, boys. And... um, 
Yeah, we're really encouraging these guys about their, uh, yeah, come to boys club. Uh, and, and so we're out there, but it didn't make me think when, when we got picked last, I was like, ah, who cares? It's all right. These kids don't even know we're about to get touchdowns all day. But I went out there and was like, uh, thinking about this later. I was like, if you've ever been picked last, you know, the feeling, you know, the feeling that you're going through. Cause it's, it's kind of like, huh, maybe, maybe I'm not worth it. Maybe, maybe I'm not worthy to be picked higher. Maybe, maybe I'm no good. I mean, you start, I didn't question myself about the sport. I mean, Johnny and I here, we're out here putting moves on these kids, but I, I did start to think about what areas in my life am I saying to myself, you're not good enough. Telling myself the lie, you'll never get this. Don't sugarcoat it in your faith. Feeling good is not enough in, in the Christian faith. And it's hard to tell God, I trust it with you. This scar, this, this wound that I carry, I'm not who they say I am. I'm not who this wound says I am, but I'm who you say I am. And the result of Naomi being open with God, check this out, what happened is he was glorified. It was through her pain and lament that Ruth comes to know God. Ruth gives up everything to follow Naomi, and listen to this, to hear, to, uh, to, to follow Naomi and her God, who she comes to know personally as Yahweh. You see, Ruth saw Naomi and her faithfulness and through her uh, pain, through this woman that experienced unspeakable tragedy, she continues to follow God and she's talking to him honestly. And then Ruth comes to know God through all that. Our honesty in our Christian walks and our authenticity is evidence that we, it's evidence to the lost that we believe that God is in control. Our tendency is to pretend, oh, it's okay. Like, yeah, my life's okay. Everything in my life is okay. Or our other tendency is to just walk away from God and say, hey, you're not for me. I can see that, so I'm done with you. Those are our tendencies. But if we lament, like Naomi's lamenting, it helps us keep engaged with God and let him in our life and let him comfort us. And what will happen is other people will see that our faith is real. Not complaining. The bitterness in this story, the bitterness here, it's not complaining to each other. It's not, it's not complaining about God to each other, but it's Naomi talking directly to God. And here's what happened in this story. Something incredible happened in this story. Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. It says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord. They're glorifying God here who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap and cared for him. And it says that the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. God did something crazy here. In the moment when she thought God doesn't care, she trusted, she cried out to him. And what happened is she was given a grandchild, Obed, father Jesse, father David, who's listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the savior of the world. And if you believe that the same God will we'll, we'll do something in your life if you let him control the results of your existence. Something amazing will happen in your life. You will experience healing from your scars. As a musician comes up and plays, perhaps God is making you wait 
for the same reason that he made Abraham wait. Perhaps God is doing something in the waiting. Maybe he's forging your faith. He's making you attentive to his voice. He's deepening your relationship with him. He's solidifying your trust. He's preparing you, listen to this, for ministry to somebody else. That loss of friends that I went through, what it eventually led to was me going to the school where I met Tara. I met Tara. We went through tough times in life too. And then God did something through that. And today, standing here today, I have a buddy who is who is just killing it. He's out there leading people to Jesus, leading people to find and follow and just go all in for Jesus. And God is using all of that story right now for me to be able to, to share. Uh, this is what God did. It wasn't easy. Trust him through the pain. Waiting isn't about what we get at the end, but it's about who we become as we wait. And so this morning, do you trust God in the process? Are you willing to be real with God? If you're going through something right now, maybe it's, maybe it's that relationship, maybe it's financial, maybe it's uh, through your job, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's church hurt, maybe you're going through church hurt, maybe you're going through something, uh, you got family drama, everybody's got family drama, but you got something you're going through, you feel it, and maybe you're open enough this morning to not just push it away and to think about it and to look inside and say, you know, I really have this in my life, and if I'm honest, it's probably affecting everything. All you have to do is what Naomi did. You have to trust God enough to just let him know, hey, you're in control. When you cry out to him, it doesn't have to be pretty. It can be messy. When when you cry out messy, you don't have to worry about what people think of, of you and of God because you're showing he's in control. And just, just some things you can do. Just remember God loves you. Talk to him. Open your Bible and start reading. Remind yourself, I'm not alone in suffering. If, if we're honest, we all have a lot more in common than we probably have different. That we're all going through some form of suffering, some form of pain, some form of loss in our lives. And you can recite God's faithfulness. You can set your mind on heaven. You can remember, life is all about God. What I love about what God did in Naomi's life, he didn't just, he didn't just give her something like, I lost a husband and I lost two sons. He didn't just give her those back. God did something even bigger. He gave her something, Ephesians 3, 20, big. More than she was even able to ask or think. God did something that hundreds of years later, she, she, would, have, she would have something. Even after she passed away, she would have something. We would be talking about her today because God did something bigger through this suffering. She wanted a family, but God gave her a king and a child that would be in the lineage of Jesus. And and the gospel narrative of the story is that when she went through this loss, when she went through this death, she told Ruth, hey, I'm a dead end. Ruth, you might as well not follow and walk with me because it's over for me. The Israelites, the, the land passed down through the family and these were women from a foreign land and Naomi said, hey, you're not gonna get any inheritance. This, you might as well just give it up and go back. But God, in this dead end, said, go back to your country and Ruth followed her and God took her wound She made it into a scar and showed from death, from this death, from this death, I'm going to bring life. And the life that he brought, the life that God brought, it's not just the life of a son who had a son who had a son who was a king, but it's a life that led to a king who was born, who died on this earth. He lived an earthly life. He died a a tragic death, Jesus on the cross. 
And this woman's story of trusting God because he's faithful and I'm going to cry out to you, God. I'm going to cry out to you in my moment of weakness and pain and struggle and everything that you're doing. I'm just going to look to you. I know you're in control as the same God who was in control when Jesus hung on the cross and his, his followers abandoned him and they're like, man, I don't know what's going on. But Jesus came back and John three sixteen it says, God so loves the world. God so loves everyone in this room that whoever believes in him won't perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus talks about that life. And he says, I, Satan wants to come to steal, kill and destroy. But I, I've come that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. And Jesus this morning wants that abundant life for you. And I'm not here to tell you, if you cry out to Jesus today, all your problems are gonna go away. That's, that's not what the Bible says, but I'm here to tell you that God is in control of every earthly thing you're going through. And every earthly thing you're going through, he can handle it. Like when you tell God, hey, man, this is going on and it stinks. He's not up there surprised. He's not up there just saying, oh, no way. I can't believe this happened. But God, in this trial, he hasn't called you to be quiet. He's called you to be real. So this morning, when you're, when you're talking to God, when you're dealing with God right now in a moment of reflection, as you, as you think about God, God wants you to heal. He wants to see you through this wound. He wants to see this wound turn into a scar, a beautiful scar that when people look at your life and you can say, hey, I went through this, but God. And then when people look at your life, they're going to see, wow, this person, this person isn't a perfect person. This person's got scars all over. But all those scars are pointing to a holy God who wants to have a relationship with you. He's doing something in the process. Let's bow and talk to God. Dear God, thank you, Lord, just for everything that you're doing in our lives. God, for every moment, for every piece of pain, God, that you're using to build us into something. God, I thank you so much for wounds that if if it was left up to us, we never would have chosen. God, I'll always always choose the path of comfort because you know what? Uncomfortability, it's just against the human nature. Oh, this is happening. You know, I'd rather take the easy path, but God, you put us on that path. I thank you, God, for the path that every person in this room is on today. God, this path in life, everyone's unique. Every path is different, but God, you have us here for a reason. And I pray, Lord, that as we're on this path, that we would look to you, God, even in lament as Naomi did, to be able to be real and truthful with you, God, and that you would do something in the process. Church, if you're in this room and and you hear from God, that you just hear, I need to be real uh, this morning. Who would say, I need to cry out to God. I need to trust him in the pain. There's something in my life that I need to trust him in. I want to remember you in prayer this morning. If you're with me on that, just raise your hand right now. I need to cry out to God. I need to experience him in this pain. I need to be real. You may have been going through it for a day, a week, a year. It may be decades. But you would say, I need to be real with you, Lord. That's awesome. If there's anybody in this room that would just say, I, I don't know what it's like to have a relationship with God. I want that kind of trust where even when I'm going through the hard times, I can know God is real. I can know that he's in control. I can know that he's there. I just want to share with you, God is crazy in love with you. He loves you so much that he made a way for you to have a relationship with him. He sent his son this earth that rejected him so that you could know God, so you could have a relationship, have access to God. If that's you this morning, 
The truth is that Jesus lived a perfect life. He died a death paying for all of our sin and shame so that you could know God and all you have to do is receive. All you have to do is believe that that's what he did, that he is who he said he was and that he's coming back. All you have to do is believe Jesus It's the only way. If anybody in the room is like that today, I'd love to pray for you too. Anybody in the room, just remember you as you raise your hand if there's anybody like that. God, thank you so much for what you're doing, Lord, in our lives, through our pain, through our suffering. God, help us not to just read this as a story and and see the drama and the romance and the beauty of it and just leave it there, but God, help us to live it. Help us to take your living word and God, just allow it to be true in our lives, true about us, Lord, that this word would show that we know you by the way that we lament and God, that we would be an example to non-believers that when we go through things, our God loves us enough, we can be real with him. He's in control. He can handle it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, as you give this morning, I, wanna, I just want to say we love Warehouse Church. We love what God's doing. Uh, as you give, as you follow and worship this morning um, to give to the Lord, there's offering boxes in the back. You can do it online. You can do it through text message. I just want to say uh, our student ministry is growing. And God is doing something amazing at Richardson West Junior High uh, through, the, through the boys. Um, there's, there's so many people in this room that go there and serve. There's about six or eight guys in our church that go. Uh, and, and I just want to say that my family, my wife and I, we're thankful um, for your giving so that we can be part of the team at Warehouse Church. Um, God has put such a great team together. And like I said, uh, Pastor Ed is just, is just doing something here. God's working through him to lead something that's toward Jesus. Uh, it, it's awesome. And so we love this church. Thank you for fueling the vision, the dream of Warehouse Church. God bless you as you give.